at the end of the day, a moron can become incredibly wealthy in a market that has lots of demand and do everything wrong. Mm -hmm. But an expert can (laughs) fail in a market with low demand doing everything right. What is the difference between, well, just general successful people alone? They all had something in common. They hit or knew or figured out the overarching demand arc for that industry or for whatever they were doing. And they simply built a vehicle to ride the wave. What's going on, everybody? Connor here from the Self Storage Income Podcast. This podcast is being brought to you guys by Live Oak Bank, Tenant Inc., and Janus International. When you guys are looking at property management software for your storage facilities, there's a ton of options out there, but no other option compares to Tenant Inc. Tenant Inc. is going to be your one-stop shop solution that has an amazing amount of tools that you can deploy at your fingertips to maximize the value of your facility, to operate it more efficiently, more effectively. They have an open API where you can back in almost anything you want. You own your data, and it's just an incredible solution. I can't say enough good things about these guys. Link is in the show notes. Be sure to check out Tenant Inc. If you guys are looking to purchase your first storage facility, you just might be looking at the SBA loan approach and one of the best and most efficient places to get your SBA from is going to be Live Oak Bank. These people know self-storage. They've been in the industry for a very long time. They're very knowledgeable. You don't have to educate them on the underwriting, on how you're you're valuing self-storage, any of that. These guys are incredible at valuing self-storage. They know how to underwrite it, and they are a phenomenal solution for you and your financing needs in all things self-storage. Again, Live Oak Bank. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast and today me and connor are going i guess actually it's it's connor and i uh please excuse my uh idaho grammar (laughs) um but we are going over i think one of actually it's i don't even think it is the most important question hands down um there is very little that trumps this answer there's very little that matters more than this and i talk a lot about this when we're talking about self-storage because you can get a lot of things wrong but this you can't um you know when we look at before we uh, even dive into that everybody i think we said on the last last podcast but the audiobook, our audiobook, we're giving it away for free we're, uh, to anyone. Uh, go on, leave a review for us, send it to us, follow the link below and, and send it to us. And we are giving away the audiobook for free. So I think we talked about it, but we, yeah. we got like 200 or something like uh, reviews were taken off in a matter of like five months we have no idea mm-hmm. what happened or anything we never even got an explanation or what this is on so, itunes yeah on yeah. I, I on itunes thank you for clarifying that so yeah uh we wanted to make sure before we dive into this i get that out because if not i will not remember it we'll get into the subject and, <laughs> and i don't forget about it go so, down the rabbit hole and start right. riffing yeah no it's always a good time man and uh speaking to that i was actually i was in the the comments on the self-storage income youtube channel just before this 
kind of you know brainstorming some topic ideas, seeing some of the questions you guys are asking. And I have to say a huge majority of, of the things that I saw people saying uh, just talked about how great uh, AJ is and how much it's you guys love the all these things that uh, we got going on with self-storage income. So just huge thank you to you guys <laughs> for all the support. Yeah. And um, yeah. yeah, you guys are no help at all for figuring out topics to talk about. So yeah, if, we, uh, if we shaved come our on, beard, come on. we would have no... <laughs> no, but once the beards leave, the yeah. comments leave too. Uh, too um, so, okay, we, what we're looking at here, um, and the thing that we spend the most time analyzing um, is course, uh, of course, demand. It drives revenue and it kills revenue. So, there's a lot of things that are going on in the economy, the world, that people get nervous about. The best thing about storage is how localized it is. Mm -hmm. And if you find a local asset that has really strong demand, it's amazing how much the world can go to hell in a handbasket and it's not even affected. Um, now, the opposite is true. If there is poor demand, the market can be going straight up and you can not do good. I have a friend that's been in the industry for a long time. He's on the services side of, of storage, um, and he's incredibly uh, intelligent. We, we work a lot with him um, on his side of the business, and he thought, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come on to the owner side, right? I wanna, I wanna do that. And they developed a facility, um, and this was in 2000, I think it was 19 they opened up. Now, for all of us sitting here remembering it, no, it was before 2018 or 17. It, this, pretty much since then, we've seen rates, in a lot of cases, triple. Mm -hmm. Demand has skyrocketed past any previous, uh, not just level, but anything anybody even thought was possible. During that time, even after four years, he didn't get to stabilization. That's wild. And he had an expert third party running him. Why? Because he messed up on demand. Mm -hmm. Now, the same token, there were lots of operators in which that I knew during the Great Recession, they rose their rates. The worst economic crisis since the Great Depression. And they were rising rates. So you look at this local piece and it's very powerful and it provides tons of opportunities. That's why I love it so much. But you also look at that demand function and element of self-storage and it is just so crucial. And it really is, man. Especially, I mean, it's funny because this is one of the most common questions I think that we get is, is how to really measure demand because when we're talking demand, we're talking, you know, square footage on the market and how it's being absorbed, and, and especially in relation to development. Um, even at our live event, we had uh, we had an individual attend the live event up in Coeur d'Alene uh, just this you know few weeks ago, about a month ago here in uh, September, and um, that was his big question. With he had just added on, um, I think he only added like sixty units or something like that. And he was asking me like, hey, well, did I measure demand good? Like I've only filled up like a quarter of these and they've been open for, you know, a couple months. And I'm like, 
he told me everything about the market. He told me how everything was going. And I'm like, dude, you know, you're looking at all the right metrics. You checked all the boxes. Demand looks like it's pretty strong there. You know, you're filling up and it sounds like you're on target from what you underwrote everything else. Like it's, it's, but again, that, that's the question that you should be asking is like, what is that demand yeah. and how can it be absorbed? And, you know, is this a good investment? Because it really, man, supply and demand, it's just amazing to me having, you know, learn this stuff over the years, how it always just, it, that is the fundamental supply and demand of everything. Well, it, it's always. the key to our margin of stupidity. Yeah. I mean, the reason why, the reason I call it margin of stupidity is at the end of the day, um, a moron can become incredibly wealthy in a market that has lots of demand and do everything wrong mm -hmm. but an yeah. expert can <laughs> fail in a market with low demand doing everything right and that's always been in my mind and it's never left my my thought process and everything when i look at these markets and seeing this play out that what is the difference between, well, just general successful people alone? Like, it, you know, I worked in group medical benefits um, in my former life. Uh, that's what we did manage. Worked with hundreds of clients um, all over and business owners. And when you looked at successful people, whether it was in real estate, whether it was in business, right, they all had something in common. They hit or knew or figured out the overarching demand arc for that industry or for whatever they were doing and they simply built a vehicle to ride the wave right um now people that are very smart and hit that they're the ones that knock it out of the park right those are the ones that build an incredibly efficient vehicle to do things that other people are like, how's that even possible? But at the end of the day, each individual was, you know, to any normal person, it was a home run. I mean, I, I, I knew guys that I literally was like, dude, you are one of the least smartest people I, I know. And your company <laughs> is huge. Crushing it. Like hundred million in revenue, right? Yeah. And you're like, it's crazy, but they got the one thing right. Mm -hmm. They hit the so formula. They hit it, and and two, it's that's what they focused on, meaning that they were that you know you look at it, and every outside people are like, oh, you're not very smart, but they were incredibly smart because they knew the one thing that mattered. Mm -hmm. Yeah, dude. And they didn't try to justify. They didn't try to do. They didn't try to compensate because they were intelligent. I just did air quotations for all of you listening. So you, you know what I mean? It was like, no, this is what's important. And this is what matters. Because I know that if I get that right, then I can screw up, I can build, I mm -hmm. can do. As opposed to what society would generally think of as incredibly smart people that just never seem to be able to execute. Yeah. Right? And it's like you have all these you know, people that are very, very intelligent, but in practicality, in practice, 
there's just nothing. Well, dude, and like like you said, so many of those people, they do everything right for a certain thing in an area where there's no demand or there's macro level economic that, or some forces that they can't control where, I mean, I feel like content is a really good example of that too, where it's like, you can do everything right, but if people don't click with you, you don't do, I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's a shot in the dark. You yeah. have no idea. Um, and I think supply and demand is that way too, with, uh, figuring out this kind of goes to core competencies too, where you're like, what, what exactly is your core competency of, the business that you're running. So in self storage, you know, is it, is it marketing? Is it marketing to a specific, you know, utilization like businesses or these other aspects like cold storage or any of these things? Is it running a business versus investing in real estate? Like what is that co like core competency that drives your success in that industry? Exactly. Is, it, is, is a huge, huge subject for sure. So when we look at, you know, what's happening, in the world right now and i think what everybody's nervous about and what everybody they're worried about lagging fundamentals that are driving demand and that these things are going to go away or they're going to get hit um which if you're not concerned with that that's a story for another day i guess we that's a topic for another day i mean um that's a that's a big problem if you're maybe not the, if you're not concerned maybe the ajo podcast episode <laughs> yeah do yeah exactly saying why <laughs> why you should be um but uh you should you know if you the, the reason i think strongly why again i pause on that is that um the reason why you should be concerned is because it's out of your control and that's the thing with demand it's not about you. It's not about what you can do. So there's no way you can fight against it. And in business, that's the risk. Uh, risk that is a measurable, controllable, and changeable outcome is something that will just be fixed over time, right? So we can improve. We can do better. Uh, but things that aren't are death nails they're killers because it just doesn't matter what you do so when we look at storage when you have low and high demand the two extremes storage turns into a commodity so when nobody wants storage everybody all the operators are just trying to get in anybody at any price and when everybody needs storage all operators can price the same and nobody cares. So the two sides of the bell curve with self-storage are each extremes. We have been on one side, meaning that it was so demand and there was so much intensity around it. The wave was so big. It was just like everybody was propelled. Um, and this caused a lot of people to make mistakes, but it didn't matter. They still were successful, right, and rewarded. We're now moving into a market that's headed back towards the what I would call middle ground. I don't think it's going the other way, and we'll, we'll go into that sense. But meaning that your performance matters. Mm -hmm. How you execute and ride the wave will determine how long you can ride it and how far you'll go, um, because there will be options and there will be differences. Right? It's not so tight that customers don't matter anymore. And with inflation, prices start to matter. We have different things like that. Um, so when we're looking at individual markets, then the, the real question is, 
is there demand? How much demand is there, right? You have, first of all, the uh, once you have two sides of this coin, everybody, we got to just get out of the way. The first side of the coin is the macro stuff, okay? That's what has been the forces that have been moving everything over the last like two years, right? So the demand on the demand side for the last two years has been so dominated by macro events, every market was affected the same. So you went across the United States and even though self-storage is localized, it was like there was nothing localized about it. Everything was full. Yeah, you said this generalization yeah. of, of the entire like industry and values and yes, values all yeah. went to four caps, regardless of quality, regardless of performance. Right, everything was ninety six percent full, regardless of strategy, performance, anything else. Um, now that the macro side is now getting rid of that big wave, we have to look on the other side of the coin. That is localized. Mm -hmm. So localized demand in this market is the most important. On the macro side, we will cool down, but macroeconomics that drive demand for storage are amazing. And this is, we were talking about this before we came in, meaning that the price to build um, is so dramatically higher than the price to rent. And the ability to even build or expand is getting more and more expensive, right? As far as like housing. Housing, and that's like, correct. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Housing and utilization of real estate. Um, yet our ability to consume is still low and will continue to be. And then um, regulations, different things like that, that, that matter, right? Th those economics are all great for storage. Long-term storage is, I, I just obviously we're all in on it and everything, but um, I'll be the first to tell you if we see something that changes, you guys know <laughs> I am. I'm not a, I, I get down to the nitty gritty. So, um, but it's, Sound the alarm. that's right. But, um, you know, long-term it, it's great overall. Uh, now short-term there's always going to be headwinds, things like that. And localized, that's where it's going to change. So locally I see more problems, um, than nationally. And so for us right now, our pickiness uh, on stratifying markets to markets that we'd be interested in, markets that we wouldn't, like that that really has widened over the mm. last two years. So with developments, you know, we eliminated a year and a half ago, like 80% or more, 90 plus percent of all the markets that we would have been interested in building. And the reason was because of what's going on today. It wasn't at that time, it was what would happen, mm -hmm. what was coming right? Because develop is a three-year thing. And we needed to stratify if there was going to bad or hard times, we had to only pick the best of the best, incredible locations. Any other location, if it was a mid-sized location, that meant it would probably be a poor performing location. And if it was a poor performing location, that meant trouble. So we just got rid of all of those. And when we did acquisitions, the same thing. We went into markets we'd never been in over the last two years. We started to go into those markets because of the demand element. And a lot of people look, look at it and say the markets that we were looking at, though, were all fully occupied. So was there demand? How did those markets look differently, right? And um, this is a really good question. Now, understanding demand of localized markets is an art and a science. And we don't get it right all the time. 
Nobody does. Mm-hmm. And that needs to be very much stated up front because it is something that we cannot control. Dude, right? I love that. That's such a good caveat because I think I think demand is one of those questions. Again, kind of going back to the, the guy I was talking to at our, our live event. It's one of those questions that I feel like everybody thinks they have to have an absolute answer on. Yes. Like so many portions of investing in business where you just assume that there's absolutes to any of it. Yeah. <laughs> and and I mean, demand is no exception where yeah. you can do everything right, but there are going to be, you know, whether you want to call it a black swan event or whatever it is, there's always going to be those events that you either didn't see coming or there was just something that happened there that wasn't a standard, you know, I mean, we've talked about this before on the podcast where you know, gauging demand, you know, looking at square footage per capita, finding low square footage per capita in certain markets and thinking it's amazing, then getting there on the ground and finding out that there's vacancy all over the place in these storage facilities and all these different unit types and coming to find out, even though the square feet per capita is low, demand is super low. I mean, it's just, it's interesting you get into those dynamics and such a good caveat that you can't get an absolute on demand. You can you know, identify these fundamentals of what generally causes and in um, what's the word I'm looking for really confirms that demand is there. But again, there's yeah, risk. There's risk. Always. And you don't exactly know. And that's why when we talk like the stratification of it, we are way more careful. And what we mean by that is our, our, our room for error right, it creases dramatically, right, as the macro side turns down. Now, the good thing about all of this is unlike the housing market, self-storage is not affected nationally like that. No matter what business or industry you're in, you're gonna want a competitive advantage over your competition, right? You're gonna want that ability to outperform and outmaneuver and outvalue that competition. Janus International provides you the tools to be able to do that, whether that's their R3 program to help increase the look and feel of your storage facility through new doors or siding or roofing or gating or whatever that is, or a technological or a technology solution like their Noki solution that allows people to rent units, to access units, to do all of this without ever going in the office. Be sure to check out Janus International. Link is in the show notes. When we look at a market, there's two sides that you need to understand when it comes to, well, there's three sides. So the first side of this uh, uh, component is the market itself of storage. So how much is there, right? So how much storage is there currently? How much is coming onto the market? So what has been the growth and the buildup of storage? What's been the time frame of it? Um, and then what are the pricings, right? And what is the, uh, the overall pricing trends? So the next side is the utilization. Uh, from there, we move on to how are customers actually utilizing the storage? Um, what are they high utilizers of? What are they low utilizers of? Um, and what are the general traffic patterns and movement of the people, right, that would play into how they use it. 
And this is very different. A lot of people don't, I think, realize this when they're starting in storage, that if you go from the, you know, southeast to the west coast to Florida to the northeast to the Midwest to the Rockies, storage is used fairly differently. It's not the same. And that's why when we talk about like having straight numbers in storage, you used to have these rules where it was like eight square feet per capita. Above it, you can't build. Below it, you can build, right? Well, like Connor was talking about, we found regions that had six square feet, but they couldn't raise prices in those markets because there wasn't enough demand where we found others that had 15 square feet per capita <laughs> and you could you, rates were doubling and you know everything else. So yeah. the actual storage on the market, but then you have the utilization of that storage and that also comes down into size. That comes down into um, municipalities, right? That comes into uh, a whole bunch of different things associated uh, with the underlying area. Now, when we talk about area, generally people say three mile. That's way too simplistic. It Yes, three mile makes up 80%. But how I like to tell people is, okay, if you had four facilities and each of them were built three miles away from each other, then that means you have a ring of only whatever it is, one mile that you're not intersecting. So a three-mile radius is not just yours, it's also others, and it's more like a four- to five-mile radius. So you need to be looking at a little larger area because two we found in, I think we have a YouTube video of this on when we're doing our feasibility studies on mapping out the people in our markets and in that four or five mile radius and how they congregate and where they live and how they do it, um, that shows very interesting things on utilizing. We have some markets that um, literally half of the three miles we will not have any customers from, but then we'll have 60% all located in a region right, that go almost the full three miles. And so we don't do on our feasibility stuff rings. We do it very, very differently in how we judge and look because we see that and we look at the maps of our customers and how they're using it. It's not straight line like that. So three miles is too simplistic. Make sure we put that into place. Um, now, the other aspect of this is the individual people. So then we look at customer um, purchases. We're looking at, are these families? Are they uh, activities-based, right? We start to analyze the overall end user. And it's all three of these things that come together to really tell us about the demand. And the storage side is only one component of it. Um, so these mapping of it, this is why I say it's a little bit of an art and a science. Um, the simplest form that you can use, though, is just two. If you just take the storage and the utilization, and the easiest way to benchmark this is twofold. Rate history lined up with occupancy, 
Um, and then you take uh, new builds and fill up rates. If you do that, you're going to be right 90% of the time. What we look for on the correlation of occupancy and rate history, when occupancy went up, did rates go down? So were they inversely correlated? And to what degree they were? What we're trying to understand is the sensitivity of the demand. So there's markets where you had a new storage facility built, but in the same year that it came online, rates kept going up. They weren't hit at all. That's something we want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, because if they're hit dramatically, rates go down. That means the market had excess demand. And they're, they're now competing for the leftover. If rates don't move or they keep going up, that means there's enough demand for the new facility plus them. So we're looking at how elastic right, those prices are in comparison to the occupancy. Then new builds, we want to see the, the how much demand is in that market. And like it, it, I view that as like a boiling pot, right? So it's like we opened up and six months later we were filled. Well, the water is boiling. That thing's going to explode with demand, right? It took us three years to get to 80%. And we are just now getting to market rates. That would be concerning for me. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, you really, it took three big cycles to get to 80%. And, you know, you you couldn't do that at market rates, right? Those two sides, everyone, that literally probably tells you enough to be an expert uh, yeah. on demand. Dude, and that's such a such a it paints such a perfect picture being able to compare that rate history that occupancy and see just exactly like what you're saying are they correlated what's happening exactly when those rates are going up what's happening to the vacancy you know uh, it just it really does paint the picture i think the big question that people are going to have is where do i find that how do i Um, find the rate history how do i find the occupancy and how do i actually map this out I have one answer you'll like and another one you won't. So um, first answer is uh, tools you can use like Yardi and Radius Plus. They will map out a lot of things like rate history and they'll map out. um, And what they're not mapping out current, they're mapping out essentially... um, uh, what's on, like what is being offered? It, meaning that if you have a storage facility that has 110 by tens, those things are mapping whatever is listed. So they're not mapping current rates. Mm. So um, it's only what is being offered. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that doesn't mean necessarily that you may be able to match that rate at that price if you're putting on a hundred of those units, right? But that's a uh, another topic. So you can get that, and it'll show you though. RPR is the rates that everybody's listing moving up through history, right. meaning I'm so high, I got to keep increasing rates because I'm too full. Um, and then the next answer uh, is the one you're not going to like, and that is doing the work. So it is hitting the phones. It is talking to the owners. It is 
calling manually and saying, hey, I need a few units here. What do you have available? And do you have a bigger one? Or maybe you have a few small ones that I could get to make up a bigger one. Like what is the mixture of units? And getting to know the site, getting to know what they do, getting to know the manager, getting to know their units. This is a really big piece of what we do. And we call that secret shopping. And so secret shopping the competition is huge. And we do that and we actually line item units and get feedback and we try to paint pictures of that market. Um, Then you can drive around, you can look at units, you can go walk through facilities and really get granular. Um, Mm -hmm. We want to know all the competitors. I want to know the managers. I want to know what the managers are saying, what they're not saying. Um, So secret shopping is very, very important. And then you put what's being listed to what you're hearing and saying, the units that you saw, the feedback that you got, which the overall sentiment of managers is one of your best indicators. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I got anything. I don't know. What do you want? Like, you know, so I got a few (laughs) units. Yeah, I got whatever. I got 10 by 10, 5 by 10, whatever you want, you can get. Oh, okay. Well, basically saying we have so much vacancy, you just have your pick. Um, versus, hey, I, I, I can't, even, I'm not even going to put you on a waiting list because I'm mm-hmm. never going to call you. Right. Yeah. So just getting the feel for that facility and then comparing. So was this a market thing or was it a competitor thing? Mm-hmm. So we found markets where, some facilities weren't doing very good, but the ones that were good businesses and executing good, they were twice the rates and they were fully occupied. And so you got to also take into consideration the overlay of competition and their capabilities. But in general, when you have really high demand, there is no spread in occupancy. Rates, yes. But meaning that if there's really good demand, there shouldn't be vacancy. Such it's, a good point. Whether they're good or yeah. bad, they should be full. Um, so you have to take those in considerations. But really walking through those, using those tools, doing the work, calling, looking at websites, driving, talking to managers, um, mapping out online using Radius Plus, Yardy, um, you are going to develop a really, really good picture. Um, then you have to overlay that with fill up rates, rates from uh, new builds. You need to look at what could be built, where it could be built. And then to understand future demand, you need to go talk to like the planning and zoning committees. Mm -hmm. You need to go talk to the city. You need to go ask them what's been approved, what hasn't been approved. Um, And you want to get a really good feel on that. If they're like, well, we have three people that are, you know, all putting in permits to build storage. Whoa, okay. I want to know that, you know, Um, and then if you're looking at someone that's, you know, selling the facility, talk to the owner. How's this market been? Mm -hmm. What do you you think? Oh, this market's been great. I've had 100% occupancy forever or, you know, get a feel for them, them and their operations and what they've seen and why they're selling. Yeah, no, so many good points there. And I don't think it could be stated enough and, and made important enough to this idea of just getting boots on the ground and going and talking to owners and talking to managers. Uh, that's kind of one of those things that I, I've i seen 
some people be kind of surprised of like, oh, you, you actually just go to the facilities and talk to them. And it makes sense because there's so many industries where um, there isn't that transparency. Let's say you're not secret shopping and you're going in and just trying to figure out what's uh, what's available or not and, and doing that whole situation. Let's say you're going into a storage facility and just talking to the owner and being straight up and just saying, hey, uh, you know, I'm wanting to come into this market. Just curious, you know, what, you're, what are you seeing? What are you seeing with the, you know, whether it's the vacancy over time or the rates over time and what's the market like and what, what are the other operators like here and what's the, what are the regulations in the state like and how easy it is, you know, if we're towing vehicles or evictions. Or, I mean, just getting all the information it is that you need to own, operate, and invest in the storage facility is, uh, it's such a huge, huge piece of the puzzle that I think so many people miss because we're all always looking for this online solution or this piece of technology or software that shows us all the answers, right? Where it, uh, it just, again, couldn't be, couldn't be more important to just actually get on the ground, verify what that, you know, what the demand actually looks like, what that market actually looks like and those operators in that market. Um, and then again, the whole, I mean, all, all businesses relationships, right? So all building those relationships with those other owner operators in the area, building those relationships with the city, all those things couldn't be more important either. And that's going to be a huge, huge benefit. And you also have uh, outlets like, uh, you know, SSA and ISS and the local meetups and the different things that, you guys can go in and meet all of those owners and operators there and the, the pushers and movers in that state or that city and uh, and really get some key insights into what they're seeing in those markets. That's a, you know, this is a really good point. And I refer a lot of people that are new that like, like you said, there's statewide associations. So like we have SSAs, uh, for Idaho, for Oregon, for New York, for all of them have a state-run association. You can go and look at the state-run association and you can call the people that are on the board. You can uh, directly reach out to the association and ask them because they're the locals. They understand it. They've been in the game for a long time. They're helping run the association and you can ask them, what are the struggles in this market? What are the pros in this market? What are you hearing and seeing from owners? And that's really because storage is so localized. It's you want to get a localized feel for it. And you, yeah, you really can't reduce it simply to numbers. It doesn't work like that. And people that do get into trouble. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, you know, what, what we're talking about here. You can kind of clearly see the difference between and why we say it's both an art and a science. Um, and in order to get a really good picture, you need to have both. Um, and we've had many of a time when the science told us one thing and then the art, once we really got on the ground, realized, oh, this is different than what was, was painted. Mm -hmm. And we're really lucky we took the time to get to know and to understand so that we could walk away and, yeah. uh, you know, protect ourselves. So everybody, that's what, you know, honestly, if you spent all your time understanding demand, um, you, you will have incredible outcomes. Um, it's, it, it's really, really important. There are lots of markets 
And there's no reason to make a financial decision um, in a market that it doesn't have demand or you may get into trouble on. Um, that's you don't fight the market, everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, it's such a good reminder. Oh, exactly. Every time, man. Every time. Um, and it's such a good reminder, especially in times right now when there's these adjustments happening at a, at a macro level and these impacts that are expected and that are actually happening. I think a lot of people question the viability of, of, of certain investments and, and how these things are actually going to work and play out. And it's always a good reminder to just get back to the fundamentals, back to the fundamentals of supply and demand and um, understand that, yeah, there, there might be some of these impacts. And I mean, we're seeing some impacts in our own storage facilities with occupancy getting you know back to a normal realm. Mm-hmm. We're not seeing these you know, 90% and no. just can't raise rates high enough. Um, we're seeing, you know, those those mid 80 numbers again, which you yep. know, we're getting back to that again, normal, normal world of self storage. So uh, again, I think it's a, a perfect message for everybody right now to remember the fundamentals. Uh, there, there will be some impacts and some things felt within in the storage community, just like every other asset type. But again, remember that supply and demand. Exactly. All right, right everybody, man. get out there, get the right things right. And uh, put a lot less weight on the small things that don't have an impact on the future of your investment. Thanks, everybody.